This is the Journey 66 Book Writing Podcast. I'm Melissa Parks with Dave Getz, and we are your road trip advisors. You may be at mile marker one and just thinking about an idea for a book, or maybe you've gone off-road in your writing and you want to restart the journey. Join Dave and me as we help you buckle up and write. There have been multiple times I've dissolved into tears while writing chapters for a book. I've been so lost that there seems to be no way to the end, no path to the next chapter, no way out. I kept writing thinking I'd find my way out, but I just got more lost and the chapter reflected that. It was lost too. In these moments, you feel like giving up. You may even start to lose hope on the idea itself. Can you actually complete the book project? This is like walking in circles when you're in the woods and you have no sense whether you're going north or south, east or west. You have no distant peaks or markers to help with direction. When I reached out to Dave in those moments, he often said, you probably aren't clear about what you need to say. Finding your way out of a chapter that you're lost in starts with clarity, but how do you find clarity? In this episode, Dave and I offer five tips on what to do when you're stuck in a chapter so you can make progress. I am so looking forward to our discussion on this, Dave. But before we do, let's talk about where we've made progress this week. Well, we're still working with our new pup, and we have this young, now it's 10 and a half week English cream golden. And we've made huge progress in a couple areas. One is I'm teaching her some tricks, right? So one is sit, one is stay. And another one is come, right? Those are kind of the basic. If you if your dog doesn't come when you call or if it doesn't sit or if it doesn't stay, it, those are kind of the basic. Another one where I'm working on with her is crate. And yeah. so that's taking a little bit longer. But the big progress there is this morning, Jana texted me and said, here, here's a picture of a sailor. She's in her crate and we didn't put her in her crate. She just walked in and, and laid down, which is, which is a great progress. So we've had her for about two and a half weeks, a little bit over two and a half weeks. So we're feeling like, like we're making progress, but she just did a big doo-doo this morning in the middle of the, <laughs> of the family room. So, I, you know, we're still working on that piece of it, but Hey, nice. progress. Do you have wood floors or carpet or a rug down? How bad was the cleanup? <laughs> it wasn't bad. So we actually have a lot of wood floors. And so we love it when she goes on the wood floor <laughs> because it's a lot easier to clean than when, she, when it's on the carpet. So yeah, absolutely. Well, how about well, you? Last week, I think I talked about how I actually signed up for an introductory class at Orange Theory Fitness. And my friend and I went together and we actually joined for one month. We're taking this in um, in small steps. So we did the one introductory class and now we're signing up for a month. We're not committing to the six month deal until we're consistent with one month and see how we like it. So since the last episode, I've done three classes, three workouts, and they are just as grueling as I was expecting they were going to be. Our designer, she was in Orange Theory and I was always asking her what it was like. And she said, it's so hard. You do these intense workouts on the treadmill where you are always pushing the incline and pushing the speed. And then you draw back to regain, regain yourself, your breath and as a little bit of recovery, but then you push really hard again. So I was toast by the end, but I feel like I'm progressing, not just physically. I mean, I think that's going to come 
as I keep on going, but just emotionally and mentally, there's something to be said about tackling something really hard. And in my mind, really threatening, <laughs> like going to a gym with that kind of workout, but you kind of, you, you gather a sense of agency that you didn't have prior. So I, I, I'm feeling progress in that area of my life. So how long are the sessions? They are one hour. So wow. you do 54, 55 minutes of working out and then you have a cool down. So they're exactly an hour. So I was looking at my record and my first one, I think I burned 100, 527 calories. And my second one, I burned 547. And last night, I think I burned 607 calories. So I'm definitely engaging more by the calorie count, right? I'm working a little bit harder as I get more comfortable with the format. So that's progress too, I guess, if you are to gauge it by numbers. <laughs> that's great. Well, now you can go out for pizza afterwards. Which is what I did, sadly. I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna lose any weight on this route, but no. at least I'm getting stronger, you know. <laughs> you know, they always say it's not about losing weight when you work out. If you want to lose weight, you have to eat less and eat right. better, right? right. So uh diet, 20% <laughs> physical activity, right? I my 80% is terrible. So yeah. we'll work on that next. <laughs> Maybe my agency that I'm I'm gathering in Orange Theory will translate into my choices with food. All right, Dave. One area where people do need agency is in writing chapters for their book and sitting down and doing it. But we've talked with so many authors who lose their way in the middle of the chapter. And they, as I said in the opening, they just feel lost in a forest. They can't see outside of the forest. They're just going around in circles. And so today we want to offer some tips on how they can find their way out. And the first tip that came to my mind when we were preparing for this episode is the issue may be with your thesis of your chapter. Is your thesis chapter crisp? Sometimes people have a general structure for their book and an idea for the chapter, but they haven't actually gone to the extended effort of writing out what their thesis is. And can you remind our audience what a thesis is, how we define a thesis? So a thesis is the big idea of your book, but each chapter also has a thesis that supports the larger thesis of the book. So like with Death by Suburb, my thesis was that the the unique environment of the suburbs shapes your soul uniquely. And so the book was all about these five disciplines, actually it was eight disciplines to help you overcome kind of how uh, the suburbs pollute your soul. That was the overall thesis. So each chapter though had to support that thesis. So a thesis has two components, a subject and a complement. The subject is simply, what am I talking about in this chapter? The complement to that is specifically, what am I saying about what I'm talking about in this chapter? So Dave, talk about that in relation to your book and give an example of what the subject might have been for one of your chapters and then the complement. So for example, in Death by Suburbs. So again, the thesis of the book was the suburb shapes your soul uniquely. And there are these toxins that pollute the water system. So what I did each chapter then had to identify one of those toxins and then give the discipline, the corollary discipline to help you overcome the toxin or help you live in the world. So it was a, it was a list book. So each chapter was one of those toxins. And so it identified, there was eight of them, right? 
Uh, and then there's the discipline to help you overcome that and to help to live, to live more, what would be the word, really more an integrated life uh, in a more rich uh, spiritual life while also living in a suburb. In a list book, it's a little easier to identify. Sometimes, though, if you're not writing a list book, it can be really difficult. And you and I are just working with an author right now. And, and in one of the chapters, he got really lost. And, and that's normal. I think it's very, very normal to get lost in a chapter. So I think in that moment, you do need to stop and say, okay, what is the thesis of this chapter? What am I talking about? And what am I saying about what I'm talking about? I would just write that down really crisply, even with your handwriting on a notebook, um, because I think that that does something mentally. You begin to really solidify your idea and nuance your idea. And then once you have that crisp thesis right before you, you can go back with it in mind and read through the chapter and ask with every paragraph that you're writing or even where you're lost, does this support the thesis? And maybe some of the content does, or maybe you need to reframe the content. And that's why you're stuck is because it's not framed in the context of the chapter's thesis. So again, it really is about, hey, does your chapter have a thesis and is it as, as specific as it possibly can be to, to make your topic really relevant to the reader? You may have to cut material, right, Dave? I mean, sometimes you're lost and you write stuff and you write stuff and you write stuff and it doesn't pertain to your thesis and you have to cut it. And that's scary because you've spent a lot of time writing something that is personal to you probably. And you may have spent a lot of time crafting the language, but if it doesn't support that thesis, you may have to cut it. And that's a scary place to be, right? It is a scary place to be. And there's a huge reluctance to cut. Recently in working with an author, I recommended that he added in some personal narrative to the chapter. And then when we re-looked at the chapter, we realized, no, that really didn't need to be in that chapter. It was really hard to cut that. But again, you're not cutting forever. You're taking that chunk and you're putting it in. I often will put it in a, in a file, what I call car parts. And so I'll put a little, a little subhead to say what the topic is. And then I'll put that content in there so that I can go back and use that in other chapters. But it, it, if you're reluctant to cut things you've written that's normal, but you do need to cut stuff. And I think sometimes it's really stripping it back down to this thesis. And, and like you say, just really asking yourself is what I'm writing about. Does that actually fit here? And if it doesn't, you know, then, then it's okay to move it. I would just say this, we talk about this in our book writing course, but we say, what's that phrase? A fog in the pulpit is a mist in the pew. So probably not a lot of you go to church, but if you do, you know what that's like. If somebody's up there preaching and he or she doesn't know exactly what he or she is talking about, if it's confusing to the preacher, it's sure as heck going to be confusing to the people who are trying to understand the sermon, right? Or listening to the sermon. So the point is, if, if you're not clear, you'll never write something that's clear. I often find that when I strip back a chapter that I actually have a lot of freedom to move forward because I'm not blocked in by this content that is just creating frustration for me. So I can just start fresh and there's a lot of energy that comes from that. So maybe you can just reframe that cutting of material as an opportunity to start fresh and to have freedom to move forward. Um, that might be helpful. All right. What's the second tip, Dave? So the second one is, do you need more material to work with. And Melissa and I have worked with a ton of authors through the years. 
where as they're writing, you see what they're writing and they're struggling to create, but they don't have enough research or supporting material or they don't have enough stories in there. So when you find yourself lost, sometimes you don't have enough stuff in there. I don't know other way to say it. You don't have enough grist. You don't have enough, well, material to work with so that you can actually to, to craft that, to craft that story. And sometimes you don't know your material well enough. We work with lots of authors who've done lots of research, but they haven't actually delved into the actual research. This has happened with lots of authors. And so they haven't delved into the, the research and really know the story and analyzed what the, what the stories, what the research, what the data is saying so that they can use it properly in their chapters. So if you're just vaguely using stories that you've captured maybe in interviews or a research project, and it's not really coming together in your chapter, then it may be that you have to go back to your research and dig deeper into your research and really try to find those deeper principles and the nuances of the story or the data that you can bring to light. So I'm just in the middle of a big project right now, a research project, the national project for my strategic marketing firm that you and I both work at. And I conducted somewhere around 25 interviews. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of interviews. And, but part of the process is going through, looking at the questions and going through each interview and highlighting what I think are the relevant comments that fit the question. Because I had developed a set of questions, things that I wanted to know. So there's a several steps in analyzing qualitative research. And if you don't go through those steps, you don't know the research. Like right off the bat, I could give you some anecdotes. I was talking to somebody out in California and he was talking about this or that. I know that anecdote, but I don't know how that anecdote fits into the larger purpose of that research and where it fits in terms of analytically, how that fits with some of the things I was trying to get to know. So sometimes, and I think often people will conduct interviews and then never go back to the research. And And they just stay at this general level, right, Dave? And that's problematic because a book needs to be specific to be interesting. It really does. And so you have to understand that research inside and out. And this can be as simple as informal research or more complex. Like you and I worked on a project years ago where it, we, it was, this was back when we were doing ghostwriting and publishing. And, and we actually had to go back to the original data set of the 30 interviews. In fact, you did that, right? Mm-hmm, and right. you had to sort through that and do the analysis because the author just refused to do it or at least wasn't able to do it. So if you're stuck and you need more material, go back to the original sources that you developed for the book. Added to that is you may actually need to do some more reading on the topic. If you're delving into an area that is maybe has maybe been written on and you don't feel like you're an expert on, but it's integral to making your point, you may need to go do some more research and just some more learning in the area. And that's going to slow you down as far as getting chapter completed, but it's going to make the actual writing of the chapter better and it will make the end result of the chapter better as well. And sometimes when you're writing a book, you run into areas that you've never considered. Like the writing takes you to a place where you're like, this is actually what I want to say. And if I'm going to say this, I have to learn about this or I have to understand this better. And so if you run into that spot and that's where you get stuck, then 
feel comfortable stepping back and trying to understand it and do some research, do some thinking on it, talk with people rather than trying to force the writing. There is nothing fast about writing a book. There just isn't. And I know there's all those ads on Facebook and elsewhere about, you know, write a book in 30 days or write a book in 90 days. Well, that's silliness. Because of this very thing, you get into the middle of the chapter and you get lost. In fact, I would say you're not a writer unless you're lost. And maybe you should get lost in every chapter. But what's slow is that sometimes you do have to stop and go, and I love what you just said, which is, oh, that's not what I want meant to say. This is what I meant to say. Well, that's going to change a lot in that chapter. And that's okay. I would say it's also very, very normal. In fact, you should expect it. In fact, maybe getting lost should be an expectation. I I love that. Expect to get lost. That means you're really writing, right? Yes. I want to reiterate that as soon as you run into that new idea that you want to write about and incorporate into a chapter, you need to think strategically about your structure and even your thesis. How does your thesis change? Because this is what you want to explore. How is the structure of that chapter going to change? So you may have to go back to the bedrock of the chapter and start afresh. And I always find that it's not as scary as I think it's going to be when I start from scratch, because I've already thought through a lot of things. So the writing actually in many ways is faster. So anyway, always think strategically about your chapter, think about structure, think about thesis, and you're going to Get out of that dark, lost, lonely spot of being yeah. sad. All right. So the third one. So what's the third point that we want to make about when we get lost in writing a chapter? So I think it has to do with whether or not you know where you want to end the chapter. Some people meander and wander because they don't know where they want to end up. And we talk a lot about each chapter having a narrative arc. And if your your writing doesn't contribute to that narrative arc, there's going to be kind of the sloppy, meandering middle where you're just going to add in stuff because maybe it's interesting when it comes to mind or you think it's cute or funny or whatever reason you include it. But if it doesn't contribute to getting your reader to the end of the chapter, then maybe it doesn't belong there. And sometimes you then just wander in the dark forest because you're focusing on the wrong thing and you're not thinking about the end where you want to take the reader. And I think, again, we're back to this point that if the material is not leading you to that end, then you need to cut it back to that. And I, th- I do think you need to be willing to write a lot and you need to be willing to cut a lot. I looked at what I had cut when I was writing Death by Suburb and almost everything that I had cut in one chapter ended up somewhere in the book. But there were some things that I never ever stitched into the book. And 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 that's okay because at the end of the day, this is not like writing an English paper where you're trying to, you need an extra 500 words and you need to blow smoke for another 500 words, right? Only what needs to be in the book is, is that which is essential, right, to, to the idea that you're trying to communicate throughout the book or in the chapters. And we've talked a lot about structure, and but I do think that structure, and we'll probably get more specific on this in some of our future podcasts, but structure is just something that not to be afraid of. And just think of it of flow. Does it flow? Does one idea lead to another? Does one idea lead to an illustration? And I think once you start thinking about structure like that, you stop, you stop being overwhelmed. I want to just add that I talked with you about this yesterday, about how I'm listening to this podcast on, on Mars Hill. I don't know if any of you are familiar with it, but it has 
it's a long form podcast journal reporting. It's not a conversation or an interview. It's actually somebody doing reporting and telling a story through writing. And I've been learning so much about flow from just listening carefully and analytically to the podcast. I think you can learn a lot by listening to podcasts about how you structure flow. Listen to some long form podcasts. I think you'll get a sense of how you string ideas together to make that primary point that you want to make in the chapter because all podcast episodes have one point. And so you, I think it's a really good instructional tool. I know that you listen to a lot of audiobooks. Do you see yourself doing the same thing, analytically looking at how authors tie ideas together and how they achieve their ideas and through structure? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I was just listening to, uh, I was actually listening to an audiobook called Dumb Luck and the Kindness of Strangers by John Garriak, which is, uh, he's a fly fisher and and, and, an author, and he's just so prolific. And I was thinking about how he was structuring his books. Now, his books are all kind of anecdotal, and but each chapter has a theme and each chapter has a dominant narrative. So let's just say relationships out on the wall, you know, while he's fly fishing, you know, and, and so that chapter that will have a dominant story. So let's say a time when he went to Alaska and was fishing for salmon. And so a lot of the story in that chapter and the narrative in that chapter will have that story, that scene, but he weaves in short little flashbacks to other times he was on the river. He, you know, quotes times he was, when he was a child, but there's one defining narrative for each chapter that has a very specific idea that he wants to communicate. So um, that helps me as I think about writing books like that. I've always wanted to write more narrative uh, driven books where it were well, actually more essay type books and they're harder to write, right? They're just more difficult to write than say a list book like I did with death by suburbs. So yes, listening to audio and listening to audible and listening to books has just been a great way to start thinking about structure and how things hang together. And if you're lost to bring it back to our topic, it, it might be because your structure isn't there and you need a structure for things to flow. So again, think about your structure, think about where you want your chapter to end, and that's gonna help you eliminate ideas, perhaps that you've already written, or think of what's missing. Maybe you just have a transition that's missing and having a simple transition will help you pull the chapter together. So structure, pay attention to structure, where you wanna begin, where you wanna end. All right, tip number four, Dave, what is it? So the tip number four is, is the question, are you relying too much on other people's ideas? And yeah, sometimes, yeah, sometimes you lose your way because you're trying to work through the complexities of, of the topic as you write. In fact, most often you're trying to think your way through this. I'm working on a new book idea right now, and I've not made a lot of progress. I've made some progress. But as I start to write, I realize, oh, this is what I want to write. Oh, oh, oh. And as you're doing that, you're working through, uh, you're creating the new as we've talked talked so many times before. Yeah, I was just going to say, and I think that when we're insecure about our authority on a topic, we tend to rely on what other people have said. And there's probably a moment where you start to feel more authoritative, but when you're less authoritative, I think you start to just regurgitate what people say. And that 
might possibly be because you're still trying to understand the topic fully. And so you default to writing down what other people have said because you haven't actually internalized it and tried to understand how it really relates to your own ideas. And so if you're lost, then it might be because you're not actually looking at the ideas of other people and seeing how it actually relates to what you want. Have you thought of summarizing what this person is saying and then how your ideas relate or disprove, or maybe is it are an extension of what this person is saying, but you gotta, you gotta really wrestle with, with what others are saying rather than just regurgitating what people are saying. You can always tell, at least in editing a book, when the person hasn't grappled with with the idea itself and is quoting too many people or referencing people and footnotes. There's a couple of reasons why that one, you don't understand the idea clear enough, or maybe you're just, as you said, insecure about it. And there's nothing worse than a book that doesn't have your opinion in it. I mean, if you're writing a book, it needs to be your view, your opinion, your take on an idea. This isn't a PhD thesis where you're trying to quote everybody and make sure you tip your hat to everybody who's ever touched on the subject. And that's not what a book is. You, we really need your idea, your opinion, your thinking on this idea. So sometimes you may be relying too much on other people's ideas and that's why you're lost, right? You haven't done the hard work yourself. And when you're in that moment, just pause and start to go, okay, so what do I really think about this? Do I agree? with this author? Do I disagree with this author? And maybe just start there. Right. Or where is their thinking loose or where are the gaps in their thinking? Because then that's where you're going to add something fresh. And also, I just want to repeat what you've already said, David, is lead with your ideas and use these other people's ideas as a way to maybe explain what you're saying, to lend credibility to what you're saying, maybe as a jumping off point. And then you can say, yeah, they said this, but they didn't consider this. And this is what I think we need to really say about the topic that they're talking about and what's really going to be helpful. So there's a lot of different ways to use material by other people without losing yourself. But sometimes when you're lost, it's because you haven't really thinking yourself and figure out what it is you want to say on the topic. Yeah, that's good. So our fifth point today is uh, when you're lost, sometimes you just need to shorten the chapter. Just stop writing and say, maybe that I'm done. <laughs> now, <laughs> if you're in the first introduction or in the introduction, you can't do that. But this is almost like a hack. So we were working with an author recently and he was in chapter one or chapter two of a, like a 10 or 12 chapter book. And he was just getting bogged down. And, and, and we had this moment with him when we said, you know, may, maybe this book doesn't need to be 10, 4,000 word chapters or 10, 5,000 word chapters. Maybe it could be 13, 3,000 word chapters. So don't focus so much on the word counts. Just write until you're done with the idea. And that actually really freed him up to, to be more productive in his writing. So sometimes you're lost because you're trying to put too much into a chapter. Just, just shorten it. And, and, and probably in your rewrites, as you rewrite the book, you'll end up lengthening it by looking at the chapter going, oh, I need another illustration here. Or, oh, here's a snippet of research that I didn't find until later when I was writing chapter eight. Oh, that actually goes in chapter two. So maybe you should just simply put a period to the chapter and move on and, and do that by shortening the chapter. 
Yeah, you're so right. I think we have this idea of what a chapter in a book should look like. And when you do that and you think it needs to be 5,000, 6,000 words, like you said, you just end up adding unnecessary material. And when you start to add unnecessary material, your thesis gets diluted, your structure starts to fall apart. And then you run into this problem that we're talking about today is you're just lost. So yeah, I love that advice, Dave, is to keep it short. Don't have that in mind and feel like you have to fill the pages with that many words. Those are our five tips. If there are any tips that we missed that you want to contribute, hop on our Facebook page and leave us a message. We'd love to hear your ideas. All right, Dave, let's turn to our words of the episode. (laughs) So my word is cupidity, which if you think of cupid, you might have an idea of what it means, but it's a word that comes from the Latin for desire, which it has kind of an erotic sense to it, but really the English word cupidity means to have a desire for wealth. It's an eager or excessive desire, especially to possess something. So here's a sentence. There was a glimmer of cupidity in those small cunning eyes of his. So cupidity, I think we live in an era where there is a lot of cupidity. (laughs) Well, if I had read that sentence there was a glimmer of cupidity in those small cunning eyes. I would have thought something like lust or yeah, right, right, something like that. But that you're right. That that is so helpful. It really the the original word has to do with the desire for wealth. That is so yeah. fascinating. There is a certain lust of material things, right? I, I think it has a similar feel. So my word is feckless which I love the word, how it sounds. Yeah, it's so close to a bad word. Yes, it is. It really (laughs) is. Uh, It is close to a bad word. And it's also close to, or similar to, not close to, but similar to reckless, right? So uh, he had a feckless attitude, which actually would probably be wrong, right? That would be a wrong use of the word. So this word feckless has the idea of lacking initiative or strength of character, in a sense, irresponsible. So you might be able to say he was a feckless teenager who couldn't stay away from drugs and alcohol. Right, or, a feckless teenager who stayed in bed until noon and then rolled out only to play his video games. Yes, that's right. This feckless <laughs> behavior, yeah. So, feckless. So the word feck actually refers to something without effect or something that's ineffective. So uh, feck less than means lacking initiative or strength of character, irresponsible. I just think it's a great word. Yeah, it's a great word. I'm going to use that this week. I'm going to use it with your 20, 20 year old. Yeah, either my 20 year old or my husband. I'm not sure who. Actually, I'm probably the most feckless one in the family. Who knows? No, Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Those two words close out our episode. But before we sign off, we want to invite you to take our quiz on the website. Dave, I want you to tell our audience about the quiz and what they're going to find out. So we have a, a quiz on there called Focus Your Book Idea Quiz. And so the very first stage of writing your book is what we call idea formation. You have to really work out that idea. And it's something that you do really for the rest of your book, because as you write the book, you're actually kind of thinking, you're actually learning about what the book is actually about. But initially, before you start writing, or as you start writing, you really need to work out 
what am I writing about? And what am I saying about the book? We talked about, we talked about thesis earlier in this episode, but if you're writing a memoir, what is that underlying theme? You know, what am I trying to, how am I going to hang all these stories together? What's the, what's the underlying message of this memoir? If you're writing a memoir, getting clear on that, or as clear as you can get initially is really important. So if you take the quiz, you'll receive a free tool uh, that we have that helps you begin to winnow your idea more narrowly and really helps you think crisply about that idea so that you can start writing and really start writing productively. In other words, your writing isn't random. You actually can start writing because you do know the idea. You can start writing because you can then start to map out a structure for your book. Okay, so if this is the idea of my book, what am I going to say first? What am I going to say next? How am I going to illustrate this? So this quiz is really important because it, it really shapes, really will shape your entire book. I sure hope that some of you take that quiz if you're thinking about writing a book. I think it will give you a whole lot of clarity. All right, Dave, I think that that's a wrap. I think it is a wrap. It's wrap worthy. It's wrap enough. (laughs) Wrappity wrap. All right. I am Melissa Parks. And I'm Dave Getz. Now buckle up and write.